You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When they Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 50. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. At that time, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took place at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, What is it, teacher? A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose to whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Today's passage illustrates the stark differences between the Pharisee and the sinful woman. And these actions of the sinful woman in this passage always strike me as a beautiful representation of repentance and grace. Am I on the right track here, Father? Yeah, absolutely. That is at the heart of this parable. And it really hammers home, this parable does, the systematic teaching of the gospel, of the problem with the self-righteous, the problem with those of us, probably most of us listening, and certainly myself included, those of us who are part of good and decent society, and how Jesus always always, 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 zero exceptions, prefers and uplifts in his stories and in his ministry those who are trodden and downcast. Yes, that's an interesting point and one that certainly corresponds with what I've seen as I read the Bible and and as we've been doing now 50 episodes, something consistently that comes up. And maybe we can dig a little deeper into this topic since it, it seems to be a recurring theme. And perhaps, Father, we can begin with a better understanding of today's parable, who the characters are and what's going on. And then you can relate that to the broader context of Scripture, which, as you said, always favors the down and out. Sure. Uh, I've highlighted this before, but it bears repeating because we may be conditioned to think otherwise. And and so it takes repetition to retrain our brains. Uh, We may have an extremely negative view towards the Pharisees because they're often condemned or on the wrong side of Jesus' parables. 
But at the time of Christ, the Pharisees had a positive reputation, very positive among the Jewish people. And the people to whom Jesus was speaking directly, the very people who were hearing these parables, were people who either would have been Pharisees themselves or certainly would have highly, highly respected the Pharisees. So the Pharisees, to put it in a modern context, would have been what we call today good Christian people. They would dress nice when they attend church. Uh, They would be there virtually whenever the church doors are open, certainly every Sunday. They would have been involved in the activities at church, would have served on the parish councils, would have sung in the choir, would have taught church school, would have given money to the church. Again, as I said earlier, and I say this about myself as well, I include myself for sure, uh, they would have been very much like, I imagine, those people who are listening to this podcast. They would have been, certainly, Jason, uh, like you and me. That's a sobering thought, Father, because, as you said, they are portrayed so negatively by Jesus and in the Gospels as a whole. So you're essentially saying that you and I and our audience should see ourselves in these stories as the Pharisees. Yes, absolutely. In fact, that's our only hope. Our, our only hope is that we identify ourselves now as Pharisees because we don't want to be judged as Pharisees by Christ on the Day of Judgment. Can you explain that a little more, Father? Yeah, what I mean is that if we recognize ourselves now as Pharisees, then we have time to change our attitude and we have time to change the way that we live our lives. If we don't recognize that we're Pharisees, if we don't recognize that as so-called pious and good Christians, and and think about the people listening to this podcast, I mean, we are all ultimately Pharisees, putting in the extra time to learn about the Bible, not just doing the minimal work of showing up at church on Sundays. We are the ultimate Pharisees, and if we don't recognize ourselves in these stories, then our judgment will be harsh when Christ makes us stand before his dread judgment seat. And so these stories, the Gospels, we read them to remind ourselves that we will be inclined to become self-righteous. They're read as a warning of what we will become if we do not constantly strive to correct our inclinations. They're read as a reminder that God loves the humble of heart. He's not impressed by our righteousness. He doesn't need our worship and our sacrifices. What he desires, again, I stress it so many times, so simple, but our inclinations are otherwise. What he desires is that we show the same mercy that he has shown us to others. If he forgives our sins, and of course scripture assures us that he has, then he simply asks that we forgive the sins of others. If he has uplifted us, then he simply asks that we uplift others. But unfortunately, our inclination as human beings is to be like this Pharisee in today's story. If God has forgiven and uplifted us, then our tendency is to look down on the others, and that's not what God wants. Uh, You know, the other day, I I saw a bumper sticker that said, a Christian is a forgiven sinner, and I thought to myself, this is so misleading. I think we should make a bumper sticker, Jason, that says, a Christian is a forgiving sinner, because the gospel is not about us. When you say that a Christian is a forgiven sinner, then the story is about you. It's ultimately arrogance and pride and conceit, self-assurance and self-righteousness. The gospel is about your neighbor. And so if I recognize that a Christian is a forgiving sinner, then it means that my life as a Christian is about my neighbor and how I treat my neighbor, not about me and my forgiveness. It reminds us that being a Christian is not about a one-time event. It's not something in the past 
It's about me every single day working through forgiving those who fall short and those who offend me. That's very convicting, and I find it to be more helpful and more powerful than how we so often are inclined to understand the Christian faith and the message of Scripture. On the one hand, like you said, being a Christian means the story isn't about you. It's about your neighbor and working towards living with your neighbor in peace and love. And yet, in in another sense, it it is about you, isn't it, Father? Yeah, certainly it is in a sense, and that's why I stressed on the last episode, our 49th episode, the importance of parable and story, that we as humans tend to enter into the story. We tend to see ourselves in the characters of a story. That's why the Bible is presented as a story. And it's why I pointed out today that we should see ourselves in this story as the Pharisee. So yes, in a sense, it is about us. And I'm actually going to ask you, Jason, to elaborate on that further, this point that you bring up, because I want to make sure that we're on the same page. And and I think that I like where you're going with this. So what I was getting at is that I think we often hear Christians speaking about non-Christians, or even in a broader sense, I might say, We hear us Christians talking about how our neighbor needs to change, how society needs to change, how culture needs to change. But what I hear you saying, and where Scripture does seem to be about us as individuals, so to speak, is that it's saying you need to change. Quit looking at everyone else and and blaming everyone else and seeing everyone else as a sinner and realize that you are the problem. Change your life. Don't worry about condemning your neighbor, and don't worry about your neighbor's sins. Worry about correcting yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said, Jason. And you certainly see that at play in the reading you read at the beginning of today's podcast. This Pharisee, Simon, is so focused on the sinful woman and what she's done wrong that he doesn't even realize his own shortcomings. And Jesus points that out. Jesus notes that he didn't treat Jesus special at all when Jesus entered into his house. He pointed out that this Pharisee was lacking in love, but the so-called sinful woman was not. And that harkens back to St. Paul's epistle to the Corinthians, where Paul mentions that without love, all the spiritual gifts are worth nothing. Father, just real briefly here to conclude today's episode as we're running out of time, maybe speak a little bit about what we talked about earlier, how Scripture systematically, as you said, prefers and uplifts the downtrodden, and how those who are usually considered righteous and have good standing are are so often belittled. Why is that? What's going on there more broadly? Well, in very broad terms, the Bible is systematically anti-human arrogance, anti-human glory, anti-human power, meaning by that that the Bible consistently and repetitively mocks and belittles human pride and human ego. We see this from the very beginning in that man is made out of dust, and to dust he returns. The only reason that we human beings are special or unique is because God breathes into man and makes man in his own image. And these two things together mean that God is to be honored because without him we would be nothing, and that we are God's idols. We are to represent him. That's what it means to be in his image. We had an episode, I believe, about this. We are to make him present. We are to make God present because he is not present with us in the form of the ancient idols in this physical form. He is present in the world through us submitting to and living out his will. And again, this is anti-human glory because 
Unlike all the other religions of the time, human beings cannot even see God, let alone depict him or themselves build his statue. That's why we hear, for example, in the Psalms, this mocking of the other idols. They have a mouth but cannot speak. They have ears but cannot hear, eyes but cannot see, and so forth. And again, systematically, meaning you really can't find any counterexamples, God goes against human pride and arrogance and sides with the lowly. He sides not with the mighty kings and not with the landowners, but with the shepherd who wanders and shares the land. He tears down the Tower of Babel that the people idolized as the work of their hands, and which is a clear allusion to the great city of Babylon. God even destroys the beautiful, magnificent temple, the temple built to honor him because the people idolized it and the sacrifices that took place there. And then, of course, in the New Testament, Jesus, again, is always siding with the outcasts, with the sick, the lame, the poor, the needy, and as in today's story, the sinner, the sinful woman. Never once, not once, can you find an example of Jesus promoting the upright citizens, the pious, the religious. I think perhaps the closest thing that we get is when he tells his disciples that they should have the zeal of the Pharisees, but not to behave like them. And I'll conclude then with two examples of biblical characters who highlight these points. In the Old Testament, I'd point to King David. David was portrayed as good when he was the shepherd, when he was the underdog. But then when he became king, he becomes mighty and it all starts to break down and he has to turn back to becoming like the shepherd. And in the New Testament, we highlighted on an episode before Saul of Tarsus, who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was righteous according to the law who was named after that powerful first king of Israel, Saul. He only becomes a role model when he disowns his own righteousness according to the law. He submits to table fellowship with the Gentile, with the sinner, and is then renamed Paul, meaning, as we pointed out, the little or the humbled one. And these two examples, in my opinion, really sum up uh, what we've been talking about on this episode. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began by focusing on the problem of self-righteousness addressed in the systematic teaching of the gospel. It is important to note that while the Pharisees were often portrayed in a negative light because of their consistent condemnation by Christ, the Pharisees were viewed by the Jewish people as very respectable and pious. The Pharisee in a modern context might be what we would call today a good Christian. However, as evidenced by the gospel teaching, if we are to avoid judgment by Christ as a Pharisee on the day of judgment, we must recognize ourselves as Pharisees so that we might change our attitudes and the way we live our lives. The frequent parables of Christ should be read as a warning that point to who we are or what we will become and to recognize that we must turn away from this behavior as God loves the humble of heart. And in this humility, we will not focus on the sins of others as did the Pharisee in today's reading, but rather be focused on our own sins and the change that is necessary in our own heart. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. 
O our God and our hope, glory to Thee. 